Hello, good morning. This is Rick Pina, and I'm bringing you today's word for October 11th, 2023. I'm teaching a series on the parables of Jesus. I started the year teaching a series on the miracles of Jesus, and we went through every miracle that Jesus performed in the New Covenant, in the New Testament. And now we're going through the parables of Jesus, and it's taken me a while. I mean, we're already in October, and I'm still going through this thing. This is part 75. So the title of today's message is Pearls from the Parables, part 75, Jesus is pleading your case. Put in the chat, Jesus is pleading my case. I have an advocate. I have an attorney with the Father. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is interceding. He is pleading my case. Therefore, two-part title today, Jesus is pleading your case. That's part one. Part two is trust his plans. Because he's pleading my case, because he loves me, because he made good plans for me from the foundations of the world, I need to learn how to trust his plans and put his plans above my plans. So if that's you this morning, and I want you to open up your heart to get ready to receive what God is about to release in your life, I, I want you to open up your heart and say this, Father, I trust you and I trust your plans. So get ready to receive the word. All right, so let's get into the word for this morning. Here we go. Before we get into the actual parable, we've been looking at a scripture all year uh, that at our church we're meditating on because we believe that this is a season of refreshing and restoring for us. So this is Psalms 126, verse 4 from the Passion Translation. This is what the Bible says. Now, Lord, do it again. Say, Lord, do it again. Restore us to the former glory. May streams of your refreshing flow over us until dry hearts are drenched again. So we believe that in this season, we will have no dry areas. Say no dry areas for me. You can put that in the chat. No dry areas. If there's any area of my life that's dried up in this season, God is going to drench me again. Let's look at this parable again. Luke chapter 13, verses six through nine. Jesus said, a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit thereon and he found none. And he said unto the the vine dresser or the keeper of the vineyard, cut it down. It's taking up the ground. Like, I mean, it's it's taking up resources and not producing anything. He says, listen, for three years, I've been coming. I've been looking. Year one, I came. I saw that it didn't produce anything. I didn't even say nothing. I left. Year two, I came and I saw nothing, but I didn't say nothing. Year three now, forget it. Just cut it down. And the dresser of the vineyard said, hold on, sir. Let me work on it. Give, let's give it another year. Let me work on it. Let me dig around it. Let me fertilize it. Let me get, give me another year. I'm going to work on it. And if after that, he still, she still doesn't produce fruit, fine. If it does produce fruit, hallelujah. If not, then you can cut it down. What does this mean for you today? We've been dealing for the last couple of days over the fact that Jesus, uh, oh, teaching this point, Jesus is our intercessor. And, and yesterday, we actually dealt with the fact that Jesus is praying for us and the Holy Spirit is praying for us. And we got this from Romans chapter 8. And I'm dealing with the fact that the vine dresser in the parable is Jesus. It's symbolic of Jesus. So what does this mean for you today? I have four things to share with you this morning. I want to go back to Romans chapter 8. Let me read Romans chapter 8 for you. And then we're going to you know, tie this all together. So this is Romans chapter 8. Uh, I'm going to read for you verses 26 to 29 from the Passion Translation. And then read verse 34. Somebody told me yesterday that they had read Romans chapter 8 many times. 
but never read it from the Passion Translation. And this helped like get you know a, another level of understanding. So this is what the Bible says. Romans 8, beginning at verse 26, the Passion Translation. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our frailty to empower us in our weakness. Another translation says, hey, we don't know what to pray for, right? And so that's in our weakness. Here's a weakness. We don't know what to pray for. And so the Holy Spirit comes to lay hold of us in that frailty of we don't know what to pray for. He empowers us in that weakness that we don't know what to pray for. He goes on to say, for example, sometimes we don't even know what to pray or the best things to ask for, but the Holy Spirit <laughs> rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God the Father with emotional sighs that are too deep for words, well, even when I don't know what to say. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. He knows what I want. He also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is passionately pleading for us before God the Father. And, and he's pleading for us, his holy ones. And he's pleading for us to be in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. He's praying for me to be the man that I'm destined to be. He's praying that my feet would be bound to the path that God established for me from the foundations of the world. The Holy Spirit is interceding for me. Verse 28, thinking about that, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good, is working together for my good. And we are his lovers. He loves us, man. We are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designated purpose, his designed purpose. He, God loves me. Say, God loves me. God loves me. God made good plans for me. God sent me to this planet at just the right time. I was born for such a time as this. God wants his plans to be manifested and the Holy Ghost is interceding so that that can come to pass. Verse 29, for he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning to be conformed unto the image of his son. This means that the son is the oldest of a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Say, I'm just like Jesus. He was saying, listen, right now, Jesus is the eldest brother. He's the, the first amongst many, 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 many brothers and sisters. So when Jesus was on this planet, excuse me, he was the only begotten of the father. He was the only one. But when Jesus said, unless a kernel of corn falls into the ground and dies, it remains yet alone. But if he was talking about himself, but he said, but if it falls down into the ground and dies, boom, it's going to reproduce, boom, and it's going to reproduce, boom, and it's going to reproduce. And there will be a vast harvest. When Jesus was on this earth, he was the only begotten of the father. He was the, he was God incarnate. He was the incarnation of God himself. And now that he is gone, he became that kernel of corn. He fell into the ground. He reproduced and watch this. Now, now we, you and I, we're the continuation of his incarnation nation. Say this, as Jesus is, so am I in this world. Verse 34, who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for Jesus actually gave his life for us. Even more than that, uh, he conquered death and is now risen and exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. So Jesus is not at the right hand to condemn us. No, no, he's interceding for us. So how could he, the one who died for us, possibly condemn us. No. What is he doing there? The text says he is continually praying for our triumph. Jesus is praying for things to work out for our good. Jesus is praying 
The Holy Ghost is praying, and now Jesus is praying, and Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and what is he praying? He is praying for my triumph. He's praying for things to work out for my good. My God, thank you, Lord. Say thank you, Lord, for Jesus. So what does this mean for you today? Now I have four points to share with you, and I've already set this thing up, and I can get into these four things. Y'all ready? I need you to open up your heart. Be locked in. Four things. Number one, here we go. God considers our desires, but he also has to give priority to his plans. So he's like, here I have my son. My son loves me. I love my son. Here I have my daughter. My daughter loves me. I love my daughter. And and they're praying for stuff that doesn't line up with what I plan. I love them and I appreciate them, but I'm not going to give them stuff that I didn't already plan. No, no. The Bible says, uh, of verse 27, once again, God, the searcher of our heart, knows fully our longings. He knows our desire. He knows what we want, yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is passionately pleading before God for us. And what is he pleading? For God to give us whatever we said? No. He's pleading for us to live in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny. No, no, no. He's not pleading for us to just God give them whatever they want. This is why Paul, in in, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, when Paul was praying, Paul said, I'm not going to pray for God to give you whatever you want. I'm going to pray for God to reveal to you what he wants for your life already. He says, I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding, this is Ephesians chapter one, verses 17 and 18. He says, I'm going to pray for you. This is what I'm praying. Here's my prayer, y'all. Not for God to give you what you want. No, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, flooded with light so that you would know what God already gave you from the foundations of the world so that you would know what, what God's plans are, the exceeding great riches that we have in heavenly places in Christ Jesus towards us who believe. There are things that God already stored up for you. And so what I'm going to pray for is that you will get a revelation of what who you are and what God already gave you and what God already destined for you to walk in, not for God to give you selfish desires, but for you to align with God's plans and purposes. Say amen to that. Yes, God knows your desires, but God has plans and purposes and God's plans and purposes will prevail. Will prevail. Uh, in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 21, this is what the Bible says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that's going to prevail. Put in the chat, the Lord's purpose will prevail. So walking with God to the fullest, it requires spiritual maturity. We must grow in our understanding that yes, we have desires, but God's desires have to trump our desires. So when we have desires, our prayer should be, Lord, this is what I want. Now, I'm not sure if this is your will, but this is what I want. And so I know you're not not in the business of just giving me whatever I want, but I'm asking, Lord, if this is in alignment with your will, then yes, I set my faith in agreement. I believe and I receive it. If it's not in alignment with your will, then I submit my will to your will. Just tell me what you want, right? Now, if if because your plans already in heaven have a yes on it, you're looking for my amen. I'm saying, is this part of it? Because if this is part of your plans, I say amen to that. Now, if it's not part of your plans, then tell me what your plans are. And I'm, I will willingly submit my plans to your plans because your plans and purposes have to prevail. So we got to develop a heart that is yielded to God. The fig tree in the parable was re- refusing to produce figs. It didn't like the environment. It said, I'm not doing it. 
And so we can't live like that. We can't have that kind of attitude. We have to have a heart that is yielded to God. We must learn to navigate through the times where my desires don't line up with God's desires. And in those moments, if there's a disconnect between me and God, I told you before, I might have to put this on the shirt. God is not the problem, right? If there's a problem between me and God, God is not the problem. If there's, if, if there's a disconnect between my desires and God's desires, God is not going to change. I'm the one that has to change. So there's two reasons why I'm the one that has to change. Number one, he is God. I'm not. And number two, God's plans are better than my plans. Put in the chat, God's plans are better than my plans. You got it? Number two. I have four things to share with you this morning. Here's number two. God made good plans. Say good plans. Ooh, not only did God make plans, his plans are good plans. And he's trying to work with us for those plans to work out for our good. And so he made good plans. And if he works with us and we submit to him, these things are going to work out for our good. We can find peace in knowing that God made good plans and he's working on those plans. Romans 8 and 28, the Passion Translation, we just read it. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven and working together for good because God loves us and he, yeah, and he called us to fulfill his divine purpose. Say this, everything works out for my good. When I'm submitted to God, we must learn to recognize the goodness of God. He's a good, good father. Uh, he's a good, good father. Yes, he made good, good plans for me. So I got to acknowledge that God is good, that God wants to bless me because God wants to bless me because God is good, that God made good plans for me from the foundations of the world. And so I got to submit to him so that I can be a co-laborer with him. That's what Jesus was doing. He said, let me work on this tree, man. I'm going to be a co-laborer with the tree. I'm trying to work this thing out for his good. I want this tree to produce fruit. Let me dig around it. Let me fertilize. I'll do whatever I need to do. He's working with the tree. The tree is supposed to be working with him. God has good plans. God wants us to produce fruit and God will work with us. We are co-laborers with him. But when we actively submit to him and we actively engage in his plans, then God will produce fruit and it will come out of us and, and he will produce change in us, fruit from us, and we will change the world. We will change the environment. We will become atmosphere setters and environment changers. Why? Because the grace of God is on us to do that. But we won't do that if you if you do like the fig tree and say, well, I don't feel like producing anything. I don't like what I'm going through. I don't like where I am. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at the world. I'm mad at, you know, don't be that person. God has to be able to trust you to produce even in an uncomfortable environment. Say amen to that. You got it? All right, number three. We're halfway through. Uh, number three, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding on our behalf. The Bible says, Romans 8 and 34, the latter part, he has conquered death and he is now risen, talking about Jesus, exalted and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us? Jesus is not at the right hand to condemn us. The text says, no, he is continually praying for our triumph. So let me talk about this. So I've always taught that the right hand of the throne is the position of power right? And that's how it was. Whenever you sat at the right hand of the monarch, you were the right hand man, right? Of the monarch. So if you have a monarch, it's hard for us who live in, in a, a society where we have a president or a prime minister to understand a king. A king is a sovereign ruler. And so when you had a, a sovereign ruler, whoever sat at the right hand of the sovereign ruler was the right, the right hand man. And this person was in a position of authority. That's what I always taught. So Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Pastor John MacArthur provides us another interpretation of this. I never heard this before, uh, but you know, uh, I was like, oh, this is good. I want to share it with you. Pastor John MacArthur said this about the Sanhedrin. 
I knew that the Sanhedrin is the ruling council. There were 70 elders that were part of the Sanhedrin council. It's like their Supreme Court. I understood this. But what I didn't know is that for the Sanhedrin, there was one presiding judge and the presiding judge had two secretaries that sat to his left and to his right. The secretary on the left was used to document every case where a person was found guilty. The secretary on the right, so this person on the left was in charge of condemnation. The secretary on the right was responsible for documenting every case when somebody was acquitted. So the one on the right was in charge of acquittals or forgiveness. The one on the left was in charge of condemnation and punishment. <laughs> Let me go back to uh, Romans 8. So Romans 8 and 34 talks about Jesus. Jesus has conquered death. He has now risen. He is now exalted. He is now enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us? He's the one on the right. He's not the one on the left. He's not doing condemnation. He's doing acquittals. Jesus is interceding on our behalf. Jesus is seated not on the left. He's seated on the right hand. This is like the vine dresser. It, he shows up and, and, and the, the owner gave a ruling like the judge, cut it down. And he says, hold on, stop. I'm not the one on the left, <laughs> condemnation. I'm the one on the right. I want an acquittal here. Hold on for a minute. Give me one more year, sir. Give me one more year. Let me work with him. Come on, let me dig around it. Come on, let, let me, I'm gonna provide some fertilizer. Come on, I, I wanna work with this thing. And, and so so the, this guy, the intercessor, he just jumped in and says, hold on, give me, nobody asked him to do this. The tree didn't ask for it. The owner didn't ask for it. He, he took it upon himself to stand in the gap. He took it upon himself to be an intercessor. He took it upon himself to say, hold on, let me work with him. Give me one more year. Listen, you gotta appreciate the advocate. Say, Jesus is my advocate. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He is not there to condemn me. He's there to stand in the gap for me. Jesus is praying for me. And the text says that he is praying for my triumph, which means, leads me to my fourth and final point for today. We can find comfort in knowing that Jesus is praying for our triumph. Jesus is praying for me to have the victory. Jesus is praying for me to come out on top. Say amen to that. Once again, Romans 8 and 34. So how could he possibly condemn us? He's continually praying for our triumph. If we, we go back to the parable of the barren fig tree, the owner of the fig tree, you could say the judge ran out of patience. I've been coming for three years. Year one, I saw nothing. I said nothing. Year two, I saw nothing. I said nothing. Year three, forget it, man. Cut it down. And the vine dresser steps in as an advocate. The vine dresser steps in as an intercessor. He's representing Jesus in the parable, and he asked for another year. The intercessor wanted to, he just wanted to see this tree succeed. The text says he's praying for our triumph. Jesus wants to see us succeed. He wants to see us become the men and the women that God has called us to be. The vine dresser said, no, man, this thing is a fig tree. It's supposed to produce figs. Let me work on it. Come on. I want to see this thing be successful. I want to see figs come off of this tree. Hold on. Give me one. Give me a year. Like, I, I got it. You you came and it failed, but I'm not going to fail. Come on. Give me some time. Let me work. I'm going to dig around it. Come on. I'm going to bring some fertilizer. I'm, I'm going to do some stuff. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. To, to help this tree produce, to help this tree. And, and, and notice that he said he'll do two things. I might teach on this later. He'll dig around it. That means I'm going to break up some stuff in his life. I'm going to have to break up. I'm going to have to shake up some stuff in her life, right? 
and then he provides fertilizer, which is some stinky stuff. Oh, glory. So like, I'm going to, yeah, I might have to let him endure, her endure some stinky situations. I might have to break up and shake up and move some things around because obviously she's not producing. He's not producing. I, but give me some time. I know how to, I know how to make this thing produce. Let me work on it because ultimately if you let me work on it, I'm going to see to it that this thing produces figs. In other words, if you let me work on him, if you let me work on her, ultimately I'm going to work on him or her becoming who it is that we destined them to be. I want to see him be successful. I want to see her be successful. How is that going to happen? By them becoming who it is that we are called to be. That's what the intercessor did. He stood in the gap. He said, let me work on it. And so he's praying, the Bible says, for our triumph. He's, listen, godly victory is different than worldly victory. And so for us, I know that worldly victory, may you may just be thinking about stuff. Godly victory, he's looking for faithfulness and obedience and alignment with his will. He wants to see a heart that is yielded to him. He wants to see somebody that loves God, that is walking with him, submitted to God in all of his ways. When you walk with God, you can be assured that when you do submit to him, you will experience the victory in every area of your life. Say this, put this in the chat. Victory is my starting point and my destination. When I'm praying from a position of grace, I'm not praying for the victory. I'm praying from the victory. I'm praying like I already have it because it's already done. And I, I believe that Jesus is interceding for me. And, and I'm, I'm receiving insight, wisdom, revelation, knowledge, and understanding of the things that God gave me from the foundations of the world. I yield unto those things. I, I pursue those things by faith. I want to become the man or the woman that God destined for me to be. And I'm, I'm walking in the finished work of Jesus Christ because Jesus not only finished the work for me, but he is continually interceding for me right at the right hand, not the left hand of the Father. And what is he praying for? He is praying for my triumph. So I enter every day with an attitude of gratitude. I understand that Jesus is praying for me. The Holy Spirit is praying for me. So I'm now launching into this day. I'm going to go into every meeting, every conversation, all the activity that I need to engage in today, knowing that Jesus is at the right hand, not the left, praying for me. The Holy Ghost is interceding on my behalf with groanings that cannot be uttered. I'm walking into this day knowing that, man, Jesus is praying for me. The Holy Spirit is praying for me and I'm praying for myself and I'm submitting myself to the plans and the purposes of God because God's plans and purposes shall prevail. Just like the fig tree is supposed to produce figs, I'm going to produce everything my life is supposed to produce. And so I'm walking into this day knowing that God is on me, in me, with me, for me. God is praying for me. Say amen to that. I've given you enough. I've given you enough. I've given you enough to run right now. Glory to God. I mean, you could, you should feel like you could leap a tall building with a single bound. Why? Because God is on you and in you and with you and for you. Say amen to that. Let's close this message out. That was good, y'all. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and say this. Say, Father, I acknowledge that you know my desires, yet your plans take priority in my life. I submit my will to yours. I trust that your plans are better than mine and your plans will prevail. I declare that I am growing in spiritual maturity. So I align my heart with your plans. I am fully yielded to you. I'm confident that your plans are good plans. And I have peace in knowing that everything is going to work out for my good and also for your will. So I recognize your goodness. I acknowledge your plans. I know that they're designed for my good and for your glory. And I celebrate Jesus, my advocate, my attorney, seated at the right hand, who is there pleading for me, who, who's declaring my acquittal. 
who is praying for my triumph. I am grateful, Father, that my triumph was secured by Christ Jesus, and he is praying for it to be manifested in this world. Living with this mindset, I know greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. This is today's word, so please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, please go to todaysword.org. Click on the big red. You, you get my notes for free. You're going to click on the big red subscribe button and put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes in your email inbox every day for free. Tony Howard just put something in the chat that, that, I, that jumped out of me. I deserved, like the tree, to be cut down, but Jesus interceded for me. Glory to God. I deserved it. I deserved it, but God doesn't give me what I deserve. That's the grace of God. Thank God for grace. Thank God for mercy. I love God, and I know that you do too. So listen, do me a favor. I need you to do two things. Leave me some comments in the chat if this message was a blessing to you. And then number two, share this message right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, just do that right now. I love you. God loves you more. I'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you. If you enjoyed this content and you would like to know more about our ministry or you would like to partner with us in what we're doing in the Caribbean, being a blessing to Haitian children in the Dominican Republic, then please go to ripministries.org. You'll be able to find out more information there. And if you'd like to make a donation, all the donations are tax deductible in the United States. A few months ago, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to set up a coaching and mentorship program, and Isabella and I set that up. And so now we make ourselves available on three different levels for those that want access to us and to learn things about maximizing your potential, increasing your personal productivity, and fulfilling your life's purpose. If you're interested in that, go to patreon.com forward slash Rick Pina. And then lastly, the Lord impressed it upon my heart to write several books and journals to help people grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please go to rickpina.co if you don't have our material, and there's also apparel there as well. Listen, thank you for being a blessing to us. We pray that our ministry will continue to be a blessing to you.